We're in the book of Matthew, written by, and we're in a thing called the Sermon on the, uh, why, why is it called the Sermon on the Mount? Because they were on a mount. Okay, very good. Uh, and who preached the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus. Okay, and we're actually in chapter 7 now of, of Matthew chapter 7. Now, um, I'm going to share a story with you about me and my past, and uh, I do not expect you, uh, raise your right hand, repeat after me, I will not be like Pastor Dan. Amen. Okay, now, now listen. So when, when we were teenagers, uh, we would uh, do this thing to our friends or those people that we, we liked uh, with a, a roll of toilet pa- paper. We would take a roll of to- toilet paper. We'd actually go to the store. Back in those days, you could buy like a 24-pack for like five bucks or less. You'd go to the store. Whenever teenagers were in the store and they had toilet paper under both arms, you knew what they were about about to do. They were about to go toilet paper someone's house. Have you ever been a part of that before? You're like, some of you, I'm not raising my hand. Thomas, I saw your hand up, I think. If you grew up in my era, it's just something that you did, and you did that a lot of times to people that you liked. I, I can say that now because a lot of you can't afford to go toilet paper someone's house, or you can't find it to do it. So, uh, but please don't do my house. Okay. So let me caveat. I've got a lot of big oak trees. My house would be fantastic for it. Please do not toilet paper my house. Uh, And I want to tell a story about the last time that I toilet papered somebody's house. And it was our high school director at our church. I'd only been uh, a a believer in Jesus for maybe six or eight months. I had rolled probably 20 homes before this, and we were going to get him on a Saturday night so that when he would come to church the next day, he, 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 he would be like, or really when he woke up on the Lord's Day, it would look like it snowed in Florida, right? Because toilet paper, you would take it, if you, some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. You would take a roll of toilet paper, you'd give it a nice long tail, you'd find the biggest tree in the yard, and you would chunk this roll over, and it would unravel into the tree, and you would do that, ow, that's right, you would do that until that roll was gone, and then you take another roll, start over, and you would just wrap this yard up where sometimes you could not see the house from the street because all you saw was this beautiful, white, flowing stuff. So we went to, to roll uh, this guy's house. Now, you did that to people you liked. If you didn't like them, you would add eggs to the mix, and it would hit cars and doors, but I didn't really partake in that much. Uh, so we... Um, we, we, we rolled it. We, we were going to town. We're, actually, we drove up, and as we drove up, you can't park right in front of the house. You've got to park like down the street. Lights off. You've got to wear dark clothes. It really looks pretty bad, like you're about to go kill somebody. And, um, and so you've got toilet paper. There's like five of us. And as we are parking a car, this car goes speeding past us. But we're like, okay, they're gone. That wasn't from the same house. We're good. We go and we begin to roll this guy's house, and it looks beautiful. It's one of the best jobs I've ever done. I was very proud. I wish I had some photos of it. But as we were getting at the end of our last roll of toilet paper, and this took about 4.3 minutes. Don't take time to figure out that. That's like four minutes and 18 seconds. And, um, and so as, as we get to this, this, this part where we're almost done, 
a guy from across the street comes running over and says, hey, hey, hey. And now we're in the dark. We've got toilet paper in our hands. And we turn, and he's got a gun pointed at our faces. He says, get on the ground, get on the ground. This is why this is the last time I ever toilet paper in somebody's house. And so we're like, hey, 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 we're just toilet paper. We're just toilet paper. And we were like, he's our church, uh, Sunday school. And, uh, and it really, it was probably me talking. And if you thought I stutter a lot here, think of that with a gun in my face, right? I can't talk at all. And, and he's like, free. He, and then he says these words, where's my car? And we're like, we're just toilet paper in our friend's house. Your car? The car that sped off as we parked had been stolen from his, 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 his house right across the street right when we got there. The cops came uh, and everything. We had, to, we had to give the receipts for the toilet paper to show where we had been beforehand. We had to do all this stuff. But the guy believed our story, and Mike Naughton, the guy whose house we rolled, came out and was like, ah, you stupid people, you. Uh, so... Um, but the, the guy thought we were the ones that stole, stole the car because he saw us doing, we were sort of up to no good. He just assumed we were the ones. And uh, I don't think his car was ever found, and I never rolled somebody's house again. Amen. I learned my lesson. Now, um, that story could make sense later if, 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 if I can make this work. So hang on to that story for later. Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, in the Scripture today, the most quoted Bible verse by non-believers in the world today. Now, uh, I wish it was John 3.16. I wish to go, and it's John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. That's the most quoted verse, because I want non-believers to know that verse, but that's not it. I wish it was 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, but it's not 1 John 1.9. I even wish it was even Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal, eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Those are some, some verses we would like them to know, right? Yes? No? Maybe? Okay. Five people are with me. Good. But it's not that. What, do you all know what the verse is? Anybody know? Anybody got a guess? What do you think, Caleb? Yeah, ju- ju- judge not lest you be judged. Have you all ever heard that before, right? Hey, and so this is where we hear it. We speak up in the world and say, hey, hey, don't do that. That's wrong. And the lost and the saved have this response. Don't, don't judge me. How dare you judge me? And they just rile up against, hey, judge not lest you be judged. And this is the truth. That's in the Bible. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. And we're about to read through this text. But I want you to understand something. Co- context is important. You cannot just take one verse and go, this is what it all means. You take that verse, see what around it says, and then you compare it with the whole word of God, and that's how you get what the truth is. So uh, the head of the uh, Tibetan Buddhist, do you know, y'all, y'all know who that is? Does anybody know who that is? It's the Dalai Lama. Okay, you've probably heard that name before. Very wise guy. And when one dies, the next one will rise up. So they're on Dalai Lama 15, or I don't know what, what number it is now. But one before there said this quote, and this, this quote is used by the world a lot, and, and they love it. Love is the absence of judgment. 
Love is the absence of judgment. So if you, if you love, really love, don't judge. Don't ever judge. And this is sort of the pre- pre- prevailing thought of the world we live in today. Don't, don't judge me. Uh, and this thought is wrong. Sometimes, many times, the most loving thing that we can do is to correct and judge somebody else in the right way. By far the most loving thing. Sometimes it is unloving, and we do not love our friends or our family or our neighbor when we don't speak the truth in love and it's seen as ju- judgment or correction. So don't, don't get that wrong. So remember, context is key. We're going to stand together, read our main passage, Matthew ch- ch- chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Stand up with me. Are you, you, you with me here? This means yes, this means no. You with me? Okay, enough of you are. Good. We're, we're staying. We're not going to stop. Uh, beginning of verse 1, we stand also in honor of God's word, just to be re- reminded. Uh, verse 1, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Let's pray. Oh, dear Lord, where are we going to go with this? God, we just thank you so much for the chance to be here. God, I just ask for your spirit to move in this place. Um, God, I don't want to speak with wise or, uh, or uh, persuasive words, but um, uh, may, may you uh, just, uh, may your words speak to hearts and change lives tonight. Uh, God, we just, um, I just beg you for myself and for all those that are in this room, uh, that God, that you will uh, give us the strength and courage to follow you wherever you lead, to speak up, uh, wherever we have the chance, uh, and to do it in a way that gives you honor and glory. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Have a seat. Now, there's a clear difference between poor judgment and proper judgment. Would you agree with that? Have you ever seen someone use poor judgment? Have you ever seen someone do proper judgment? Now, we can it's, it, describe it as well as it's one thing to be judgmental and another thing to exercise good judgment. Okay, someone who is judgmental says things like that. And, and as we've worked through the Sermon on the Mount, there's some things I've taught that I don't really deal with a whole, I don't struggle with a whole lot. I don't struggle with what we spoke on this past week on, um, on worry, on being worried about little things here or there. That's not a struggle of mine. This is a struggle of mine, being ju- judgmental. Because this is what, when I thought about and wrote out what, what, what describes a judgmental pers- person, I was going, ouch, ouch, ouch. And this is what it is. They say things like, are you stupid? They say, uh, I saw you over there, and I know what you were thinking. I mean, do we really know what someone's thinking? We sometimes can have a pretty good guess, but a lot of times we could very much be wrong. They... Um, they, they talk down going, oh, I, thought, I thought you were better than that, but I guess you're not. They're condescending to people. They, um, they say things like, you're an idiot, 
or I am so, I'm so glad I'm not you. So much better than you. That's, are, y'all agree, are, are those nice things to hear? No, no. Uh, now, I don't think all those things all the time, so don't think, oh, Pastor Dan, I need to pray more. For, well, you do need to pray more for me. Um, so that's, that's judgmental. This is what it means to exercise good judgment. When you go over to someone, and they're going to a church, you're not sure if it's a great church for, for, for them or not. And you go, hey, hey, uh, uh, are you gr- growing in your faith in that new church you're getting to, to, to go to? It, it's caring. It's, it's asking how they're doing. It's, it's hey, hey I, or you've heard something about them, and you, say, and you go to them and say, hey, hey I've heard, heard something, and I wanted to talk to you about it. It's caring. It's trying to look out. It's saying, hey, you might want to look out for this. You might, might, might want to be careful of this. That's exercising good judgment. And, and it's encouraging. Man, you might want to look, look out for this. And I truly believe God has got such a plan for your life. Does that lift up? Man, the, that, that attitude is what we, we want to have. So here are some characteristics of being judgmental. Okay, n- n- number one, it's based more on a lot of times. This is they're, they're not always these things, but these are some things that it can be. It's based a lot on personal preference, being judgmental. It's there's a dip, difference b- between pr- pr- preference and fact, or preference and truth. Okay, I was uh, you know that some churches ours don't do this. My last church had some of these these battles, but there are WWE battle royale battles about uh, songs that are sung in church. Uh, Some one group, you got the older group, they're going, man, it's hymns. Hymns is where it's at, and we don't want to sing these chorus junk that you just sing the same words over and over and over and over. And then you got the praise song crowd that's going, hey, we don't need those old hymns. Those old hymns are so old. They don't, I don't connect with those. That's, that's the past. I'm not going to, and church, they, they fight over this, and, and, and many have split over this. Is, or was, is that exercising good judgment, or is that being judgmental? Dude, it's, it's preference. My last church, not the church here, um, they had a business meeting, and business, business, business meetings in, ch- in churches can be bad. And we, uh, we had a meeting where there was a discussion. They were going to renovate the church. And the fight was over blue carpet or red carpet. No lie. The, the blue carpet crowd was like, we want it to be blue because it's just sort of contemporary. It'll be inviting to the guests. It's just sort of a nice warm, welcoming color. The red crowd was like, no, we want it on red because red's the color of Jesus' blood and we're, we walk in on the blood and it s- symbolizes that. And we had a knockdown drag out. Almost half the church split and left because of fight over car- carpet. Crazy. It still blows my mind to this day and it ended up being red. In the end, I know some of you were like, I won't be able to sleep tonight, Pastor Dan. What did, it, what, what did they do? They made it red. So first, it's based on your personal preference. That's judgmental. Second, you jump to conclu- conclusions or you assume the worst. Man, I'm bad at this. I look at somebody and go, oh, I know what they're doing. I know exactly what they're doing. And I might be right sometimes, but I'm probably wrong a lot more. Um, 
it makes the rash judgments. Look at this. These are some Ameriprise or Ameritrade commercials that came out in 2005. Take a look at these. Make sure we got sound up. That's a real commercial. Wait, there's more. No, it's crazy. All right, hey, uh, just a reminder, there's a dog, perfect. Don't judge too quickly. A lot of times we see a, sl- a sliver and we think we've seen it all and it's, we, we, we can read something wrong that easy. Um, so uh, it, the way you don't jump is you're patient, you're, you're patient. Uh, third thing is uh, it's ju- judgmental if it, it's, it makes me look or feel better. And we will tear into somebody else just so that we feel better about ourselves. Um, uh, and he, he's, he's talking a lot about that. He's talking to the Pharisees and, and the script, Scripture who, who were, were so on the outside looking like they were so good and so pious and so close to God, but on the inside, spiritually, they were a wreck. And he's like, hey, before you get a speck out of someone else's eye, get the log out of your own eye. We're going to talk a, a little bit about, about that more. And the fourth thing I put is it's just harsh. Judge, judgmental is, is harsh and, and mean. So, so how do we deal with that? And the scripture talks about this. Is, is we, and these are two big words. We be introspective and not extrospective. Okay, let me define that. Introspective is self-reflection. Before you judge someone... Take a second to judge, judge yourself. Um, not that you're going to have it all right and be perfect all the time, but man, say, God, is there something I need to fix? Lord, help me know what to do. Ex- extrospective is observation of things outside of you. So let's be introspective before we're extrospective.
perspective. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 3 through 5 again. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Oh, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Have you ever um, been poked in the eye before? Have you ever poked yourself in the eye? You're doing something, you're like, how did I just poke myself in the eye? Does it hurt? Dude, it hurts. I love that he uses an eye illustration here because I think we can relate to that. Even even a, a speck can be painful. About 15 years ago, I was in Utah at my brother-in-law's house, my wife's twin's husband, and um, we were there, and they had a basement. Now, Dave is the one, he's like a free thinker. He's like, hey, let's just let's just go sailing in a boat uh, for four days. Now, he's just that type of person. It just goes and does it. I'm not. I'm like, we need to make a plan. Is it safe? Do we have enough food? I like food. Uh, and so, um, y'all know that. And um, so, but Dave's type was like, man, hey, you're here. You want to help me build a fort in the basement of my house for my kids? Like a tree fort, but it's going to be in my house in the, ba- the basement. So I'm like, Sure, that's a good way to make your house depreciate, but I'll be glad to do it. So, um, so we start to, to, to go down there, and he's got a cir- circular saw, and we've, we've got it. And so he gives me a saw. I'm, I'm cutting some wood. I didn't know there was a nail in this piece of the wood, and I hit the nail, and a, sl- a sliver of the saw blade went shooting towards my eye. And the bad news is I had no glasses on, and it embeds, plunk, right in my eye. It's like a, a sl- yeah, I know, I, I, y'all are hurting. That's good. Uh, y'all can feel it. Uh, and, uh, and it's, and just to let you know, you know if a sliver of metal is just blinked into your eye. It's something that you just know. So I felt the pain, and I was like, this is not good. I need to do something. I could still see out of the eye. I wasn't like, I'm blind, but it hurt. So we went to an urgent care eye doctor. I didn't know those were around, but there was this guy that was the urgent care. I think they, call, they called him in. I go in, and he does this contraption that like pulls my eyelids apart, like, and it keeps it's like a claw, but holds my so my eyes are like wide open. And he takes these these drops, and he does two little eye drops in my eyes, so it's like numbing. He said, "This is just to help numb your eye." Awesome, cool, please. That would be wonderful. Uh, uh, and I'm hurting enough. I just, you know, know when you hurt enough, you don't care what they do. Just, just fix it. Well, I thought that up until the point when after he did the drop, drops, I see him take a needle. And I'm thinking, I've got a piece of metal in my eye. I don't want another piece of metal, metal in my eye. And he's like, this is only going to hurt a little bit. So he takes it and he plunges this needle into my eyeball. I'm thinking, is it going to pop out? Is it going to explode? What's going to happen? And he, he gives me this because he said, it's too deep. I've got to numb the whole eye or you're, it's really going to, I can't pull it out. And so, so he does that. And then within two minutes, he had the sliver of metal out. Uh, and I've been blind in this. No, I'm not. No, I actually fine. Um, but it's amazing. Um, I just did that story partly just to turn your stomachs a little bit. So you were like, I'll never forget that story in my life about eyes. But eyes are sensitive, right? Very sensitive. Even when we have something little or small in it, uh, it, um, it will affect us. And one thing is we're always grateful. Like someone, sometimes your mom will help to get, you got an eyelash. It's am, am, amazing. An eye, eyelash can wreck your day in your eye. 
Uh, and sometimes a mom or dad may have to come and sort of help get that eyelash out. And you know it's out. When it's out, you're like, oh. you're blinking, you're turning your eye all around. You're like, oh, thank you. I was so grateful to the, the doctor that day, even though he impaled me with a needle in the eyeball. I was thankful that he got that piece of metal out. It just was relief for me. Um, You know, when we get poked in the eye or an eye, eye, eyelash, it, it, it really hurts. Um, if we were more focused on being introspective like Jesus talk, talks about, hey, look out for the log in your own eye and don't worry until, and then, and then worry about the speck in your friend's eye. If we were more introspective, uh, we wouldn't need folks to be around us saying, hey, hey, buddy, I think you got something in your eye. The truth is we, we, we have people in our own life that needs to speak that truth to us. Now, we talk about characteristics of being judgmental. Here's characteristics of, of, of exercising good judgment, okay? And it, it goes hand in hand. First, it's based on God's standard, not ours. How do we get that? We get it from the Word of God. What is in the Word of God that we use? We use the Ten Commandments. We use the teachings of Jesus. We use the the Torah. We use the writing of Paul and John and James, and you know. So, so that's what we use as our standard. So, when we see someone treat someone wrong, and they're we know they're a believer. Say they're in the youth group and they're treating someone wrong, and they're like, you, you understand? They deserved it. Uh, I can't stand that person. We can go well, and don't forget. Matthew chapter 5 or 6, it says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. See, we, 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 that's the standard that we use, exercising good judgment. Second is this, it's patient. Opposite of jumping to conclusions. Opposite of knowing exactly what they're thinking. You don't know what they're thinking. We, if we would take a minute through our day to give someone grace because we do not know what went on in their house that morning, what hap- hap- happened at school that day or their neighborhood that day or what happened the night before. If we would just extend grace and be patient, we would do so much better. Give people a chance. I've never been good at this, but I'm working on it. Lord, help me be more gracious with people. Um, Third thing is this, its purpose is to help the individual. Exercising good judgment should always be about the individual. And notice it says once you're introspective, right, once you get the log out of your own eye, it doesn't say just get the log out of your eye and don't, don't worry about them. It says get the log out of your eye first and then help them get the speck out of their eye. But I saw we're not supposed to judge. Yeah, we're supposed to judge and correct it in the right way. See, there were... Judging in the wrong way, they were being judgmental. They weren't exercising good judgment. It should help the individual. Remember this: God is the ultimate judge. Okay, as we talk of um, judge, God is the ultimate judge, and we are all all accountable to Him. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess at one point that Jesus Christ is Lord. We're all accountable to God. In Matthew chapter twenty-five, it talks about the sheep and the goats. 
He says that, that, that he's going to, of all people in all nations, he's going to separate them, and the sheep are going to be on, on one side. He's going to, some are sheep and some are goats. And to the sheep, he's going to say, well done, enter into my kingdom. And to the goats, he said, be, be gone from me. I, I never knew you. So those who believe in Christ, those who, who know Christ, God is the ultimate judge. How do you know him? Well, this is the truth. We all sin. We, everybody in this world sins. We rebel against God. Uh, and that rebellion against God separates us from God. And we can't fix it. We cannot be good enough to fix it on our own. But God made a way that he sent his son, Jesus, to live a life without sin, to die as a sacrifice for your sins and for my sins on the cross because he, he did not sin. He could do the payment for our sin. We can't pay for our own sin. That's why we, we needed Jesus to do the payment for us. He took on God's wrath. He took on our shame, and he gave us righteousness. That's what it means to put your faith in Jesus Christ. The last thing on um, good judgment is this. It examines self before others. And that's one of the main parts of this passage here. If there's, this, this passage is much more about hypocrisy than it is about judgment, right? It, it's about, and so uh, we got to examine ourselves before others. There's an Old Testament story in 2 Samuel David, King David, is on the rooftop. His armies have gone to war. He should have been with them, but he was not. He looks down, and he sees a woman bathing named Bathsheba. He sees her. He wants her. He takes her. He has an affair with her. Her husband comes back. Long story short, he doesn't want the husband to find out, so he gets the husband killed. There's a prophet in the land named Nathan that knows what's go, what is going on. And he sees this and says, David, let me tell you a story. David doesn't know that he knows. He thinks he's good. He's in the clear. He says, there's, in one town, there's a very rich man and there's a very poor man. And the rich man has a bunch of lambs and sheep, many, many that he can't even count. The poor man has one little lamb. And this poor man loves this lamb above anything else that he has in the world. He takes care of it. It is like a member of his household. He loves this lamb. The rich man has a friend come over one night, and the rich man goes over, and it's as customary. You're supposed to take a lamb and to kill the lamb and so you can have a feast. And so he goes to his flock, and he goes, well, I don't want to kill my lambs. And he sees the poor man's lamb, and he goes and he takes the poor man's lamb, and he kills the lamb, and he takes it to to have his meal. David, when he hears the story said just like that to, uh, from the prophet Nathan, says this in Matthew, uh, 2 Samuel 12, verses uh, 5, and then we'll look at verse 7. He says, Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. And Nathan said to David, You are the man. And David realized that that story wasn't about a man and his sheep. It was about David and Bathsheba and Uriah, her husband. David was the rich man. Uriah was the poor man. And, you know, that, 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 that's, that's what it was, that he took what, what wasn't his. We all need two things in our life. We need a lot more than two, but these are two that pertain to where we're at. One, we need people people who will speak truth into our life. 
you will never know friendship, real friendship, unless you have friends that will speak truth into your life. We also need to be people who speak truth into our friends' lives. Not judgmental, but exercising good judgment. Those are two very important things. You know, David could have gone a a lot of ways once he was confronted. Sometimes when you confront folks that are in the wrong, they lash out, they get defensive, they get mad. That actually occurs a lot, but sometimes they come around. And David, we see in Psalm 51, he says, create me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. And that's the psalm that was believed to be written when he was repenting of the sin, saying, God, I'm so sorry for what I've done. In Psalm 139, the very end of that psalm, and that's a fantastic psalm that talks about how God created you and he's made you in such a great, 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 great way. This is a a psalm of David. At the end of it, in verse 23, this ought to be a prayer that we pray at least one time a week. My challenge for you is this. Pray this prayer one time a week. Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous or wicked way in me, and lead me in the way of the everlasting. Search me, O God, and, and know my thoughts. Try me uh, know my heart, try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of the everlasting. David at this point has learned one main thing. He's learned to be introspective. Search me, O oh God. Know my heart, try me and know my ways and lead me in the right way. Self-reflecting. You know, the word of God tells us, I know, why, why else do I know um, Matthew 7, 1, judge not lest you be judged, so we should never judge anybody. That, that's a wrong thought. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, it says this, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Repro- reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Those words, reprove, rebuke, and exhort, uh, in the NIV says to correct, to rebuke means to f- be firm and saying, hey, you are, you're in the wrong. You, you are not doing it. Someone that you care deeply about and they know you care about them and you almost shake them like this going, hey, 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 you've got to stop. You're not being mean. You are fighting for them when they don't know to fight for themselves, rebuking on, on, on what they're doing and encourage. So the, the word of God talks about this. Galatians 1 says this, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore, restore him in, in a spirit of gentleness. Okay? So there's something that we're called to correct. We're called to judge, uh, exercise good judgment as we, as we li- live this life. That's, that should be a part of what we're doing. That's how we love each other. That's how a youth group becomes a strong youth group. They're looking out for each other. They're caring about each other. You know that when someone confronts me, they even ask me about it. I don't get defensive. I get first, when someone confronts me on something, I get introspective and go, hmm, I wasn't thinking that, but did, did, it, did, did per, percep, perception look like I was? They're protecting you in a lot of ways. We can do things that are not wrong, but look like it's wrong, and we don't know what picture we're putting out to a world. We need to be able to talk to each other. Verse 6, don't, don't miss this part. It's sort of confusing. 
Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now I've got a picture of some puppy dogs right here. When we see, think of dogs, right, puppy dog, we go, oh, I love puppies, right? Um, the Bible, when it talks about dogs, it's never referring to a domesticated pup, puppy cute thing that you have in your household. Never, okay? This is what it's talking about more. It's talking about a wild dog. It's known as something that will scavenge, that in a pack kill, kills man, okay? That's mean and angry, okay? So he's, now, so... Do not give dogs, those that are wild, mean, and angry, what is holy. And do not throw your pearls before pigs. You know what a pig is? Pig's a pig. What does a pig eat? Anything and everything. You can throw, throw a shoe in there, a pig's going to eat. It's going to ingest it because it just wants more and more. And it'll eat till it, the, the, as the day is long. It's going to eat all day long and won't stop. Uh, it's just gonna, it doesn't care what it takes in. So understand the correction of judge not lest you be judged and, and how we're supposed to apply that verse. It's, it's, it's talking about, it applies to believers and not non-believers. Don't be offended, but non-believers here are being described as, as dogs and pigs. They, they'll just take anything in. They don't care what, what it is. As believers in Christ, are we supposed to just take anything the world gives in? We show restraint, we, 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 we take it against the word of God, and we see how does God want us to live with this. Are we supposed to be wild and out of c- c- control? No, why? Because the, the spirit of, of God has come into our lives. Um, so if you try to correct in this way with someone that isn't a believer, they will trample it underfoot and they will attack you. And you go, oh, I've seen that on Facebook or Instagram or I've seen that on the news. I mean, you see that all the time. Uh, it just doesn't work. So, you know, why are we so stunned when lost people act lost? I cannot believe they did that. Holy cow. They just said a bad word. No. We, we, we're stunned that lost people act lost, but they're going to act. We should be actually more stunned when professing believers act lost. And that, acts, that occurs much more than it ought to. Those are the times when you, you're like, but I'm only 14 and they're 16. One of the greatest things I had, um, uh, and I can share his name, but I think uh, uh, there was a youth in my youth group named Dalton Beatty. Y'all, y'all, y'all know Dalton, right? Dalton was in the ninth grade at Uly High School. And there was another youth in the, the youth group, I won't say his name, but he was at Uly High School in the 12th grade. So Dalton goes to school. Dalton's trying to live out his faith. And this, he walks by this guy, and this guy is just cussing up a storm. And Dalton stops in the hallway. This guy's around his buddies. They're high-fiving each other. And Dalton walks up in front of all these guys and goes, Bro, dude, I can't believe you're doing this. You act one way at church, and you're going to act this way at school? Dude, you got to be a light. You're not being a light in front of everybody. The guy that told me the story was the guy, well, it wasn't Dalton. It was the guy who Dalton confronted. He said, bro, he took my legs out from, up, from under me and like did a, did a, what, a full Nelson or I don't know what he did, but something off the top rope, right? I mean, he took me out. Uh, that's what we're, we're called to be. You know, salt and light, that's what salt and light does. Are people going to embrace you? No. Are you called to do it? Yes. 
So, man, may we be bold, but may we exercise good judgment. May we not assume what they're thinking. Let's give grace fight for them with grace. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for tonight. Got a chance just to talk about your word, uh, about uh, being judgmental uh, and exercising good judgment. God, help us learn to, to look at ourselves. Lord, search our hearts. Uh, uh, Lord, try, try, try our thoughts and see if there's any wicked ways in us. And Lord, we ask that you lead us in the way of the everlasting. Lord, may we seek you and honor you with our lives. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All